Welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Today we're joined by renowned bike fitter and founder of Edinburgh Bike Fitting, Dougie Shaw. He's joined us again after a fascinating conversation last week on Fit for Your Turbo and general tweaks and checks that you can do while at home using your turbo. Today we're going to be talking about bike shoes, inner soles, cleats and pedals in great depth and it's a fantastically interesting conversation certainly i clearly didn't know what the ball of my foot was until we engaged in this chat but very much enjoyed it before we head over to dougie please do subscribe to the podcast give us a rating give us a five stars share the podcast with your friends and of course as ever please do join us on the hub download the unfound app but without further ado here's dougie shaw Dougie, welcome back. Thank you very much for coming back on to join us. And today we're going to be speaking about shoes and cleats. Is that correct? Yeah. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for inviting me back on, and and thanks everyone who's listened to the first podcast uh, just um, for your your feedback and, and questions because it's uh, it's got me thinking and looking around the world of bike fit again to sort of answer these questions properly. So yeah, it's uh, I'm excited to be back and I'm doing well. Thank you. Very good. Well, as you mentioned, we've got a number of questions that we can probably go through towards the end that people have sort of sent us on the hub. I don't know how best to kick this off. I mean, in terms of shoes and cleats, there are so many different variables. Where would one start? I mean, given that we suspect that most people listening are, are experienced cyclists, what, what should people be thinking about in terms of their next purchase or their current shoe and pedal setup? Where, where's a good starting point? Yeah, okay. That's a good question. I think on the same note as, as we were on last time, you have to understand that your the way that your foot and pedal system and your shoe and cleat position it's it's you know it's all part of a system and a lot of factors depend on another thing if you like being right or at least not wrong enough to cause a problem so what you're thinking when you're buying a shoe would be is this shoe going to allow my cleat position to be correct is this shoe going to if you like encapsulate my foot so that it's not if it's not restricting my foot and really squashing it into a position, is it is it going to be big enough to allow my foot not to get restricted? Is it going to be small enough so that it doesn't feel like it's just flopping around like a a paper bag, if you like, around my foot, so so my 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 foot is nice and stable inside the shoe. And with the, the cleat position again, yeah, thinking back to the the shoe and the cleat is is the drilling is the fore aft drilling gonna allow my um, cleat position to be sat underneath the metatarsal bones, if you like, the ball of the foot where I want and where I want to be able to sort of achieve a nice stable cleat position. And yeah, so there are there are a lot of there are a lot of things that you can do wrong if you like if you if you buy the wrong shoe and i think another thing worth mentioning is uh, a lot of the time the shoe doesn't have to be necessarily overly expensive to, or overly cheap if you like to, to uh, be, be the right thing i think it's just being a bit more informed as to what you're wanting your shoe to deliver to your position and and how these how these factors how, how the factors that i guess we're going to go on to talk about will potentially give or take away from what you're trying to get out of your position or your you know be it your road cycling position or your time trial position or or just your comfort of your foot and the control of your foot. Okay. So is there is there an order that should people should be thinking about this in terms of a, so the, the pedal and the cleat is is the main thing that I am in touch with on the bike. Do we start with the pedal and the cleat and then look at the shoe or is that the wrong way to think about it? What's the best way to think of before we get onto the shoes? How can people 
have a quick assessment of uh, am I using the right pedals as a starting point? What do different pedals sort of give me? And then secondary, how how do we think about setting our cleats up and then onto the shoe? Is that the right way to look at it, or should we? Is it the wrong way around? <laughs> What's yeah, the best can, way to think about it? We could we could start from pedals if you if you like. I mean, a lot of people already have pedals across their range of bikes, and a lot of the time, to be to be fair, a lot of the time you can go a lot you can go a lot more wrong with a shoe being wrong than you can with a pedal. There's, that being said, there are certain pedals don't suit everyone, and I think it's important to note that there would be a reason why you might want to go for a pedal brand that will allow you to have, for instance, an increased stance width with like a longer axle, so that's Shimano and Speedplay, or a really, really low stack height, you know, kind of system stack height from your like the bottom of the cycling shoe to the middle of the pedal spindle. There, there'd be reasons as to why you'd want that to be as, as small as possible. So they, like, but a lot of the time, and we can go into those, those two, but a lot of the time people already have a raft of pedals. If you like, they've, they've got about six pairs of Kios or, or four pairs of Speedplay or, or like three pairs of Shimano's that would be across all their different bikes. It'd be very difficult, very expensive to, to start switching. So I think that a lot of the time people are buying shoes certainly more often than they're buying they're buying pedals. So maybe we'll start with shoes and then I'll bleed the conversation into pedals as we go but oh just quickly before we go on to shoes then i I completely agree if you've got a couple of bikes and you know you're you're, you've got shimano's all over or or keo's all over a speed place changing it all is is tricky but if we just go through the the major brands are there any sort of major red lights if you're riding shimano and you have tight x or y then you should maybe consider something else or are there any sort of obvious ones that we can look at before we move on to shoes let me just think i can't remember the the name of it so for instance there's a couple of pedals like the shimano the the shimano pd r540 for instance that has that's maybe not the the best pedal to go for and there's a, there's a couple of reasons why so we'll just take you through this example the the main sort of plate on the pedal if you like is actually slightly raised from the pedal body itself so straight away you, you're gonna it, that's like a reduced pla- that essentially it's making the platform of contact between the pedal and your cleat it's almost like inherently unstable if you like because it's like it's it's raised compared to the rest of the pedal platform so you're not ever going to get as much motionless contact between the the bottom of your cleat and the top of the pedal surface and that's a problem because the more unstable that connection is you know you're going to lose dexterity so that's a feeling of control between your foot and the pedal so that nice feeling of solid connection that you you essentially would be unconsciously looking for when you're riding it's going to be more difficult to achieve the other thing with this pedal is for some reason the axles measure it but whenever i ride on these pedals don't i feel that the real the stance width is really narrow it's almost restricting even compared to the you know for instance the, even even the 105 the, the ultegra and, and definitely the dura ace pedal and then even with shimano as well another nice little thing they do is is on their ultegra and dura ace pedals if you need it they give you extra stance width and that and that's something what this the standard look keel pedal as well that has a nice sort of extra bit of stance width compared to the, the Shimano, certainly the entry-level Shimanos. And that's an important feature for a lot of people because, for instance, if, you're, if your feet are too narrow when you're, when you're pedaling, it just makes it really difficult. It can just add a lot of pressure onto your, your pelvic bones on the saddle. And if, you, if your feet are kind of too inside, if you like your hips, it doesn't really give you a lot of stability and a nice stable platform to push against. And I think I always keep, I'll always kind of keep coming back over the course of this conversation to 
dexterity and you, you really want to when you know with your cleat position and, and your foot position and shoe position what you're after is a foot that is not moving around inside the shoe but is not compressed is going to be a happy foot because as soon as your foot starts moving inside the shoe independently of the if you like the cyclical motion of that pedal stroke that is movement that is going to require acceleration so you're going to lose efficiency you're going to be so that's like essentially like a a dead spot in your pedal stroke and you're also going to be having to stabilize your your foot position to to stop any excess movement so that's again not only are you creating dead spots and having to to re-accelerate a pedal stroke, you're also going to be fighting, if you like, with energy from your calf and your uh, the muscles in your lower leg, trying to and your foot muscles as well, trying to stabilize that foot inside the shoe. So on that note, there are a lot of little things that you can do, not necessarily with the shoe itself, but inside the shoe to to really give you a feeling of control. So that would be looking at and considering things like insoles in your shoes, not not the standard insoles that come with, you know, mo- most shoes, but like a nice aftermarket set and and I and I sell a lot of Superfeet insoles, but there's loads of other brands like, you know, the G G8 insoles are really nice. They let you um, really customize off off the bat and um i think soul star as well that's another just double check soul star and souls yeah they're they're another really nice one they they're really nice and low profile actually and i think that that takes me on to another little thing when we're talking about shoes is you know there's so many factors in in the shoe itself so coming away from pedals now that that will allow you or won't allow you to achieve like a comfortable, you know, solid, steady foot position in, inside your shoe. So we can talk about that. So if you're if you're thinking about even like the the thickness of your cycling shoe sole, that's going to be something that's going to be taking your foot further and further away from the from the pedal axle. So you'd be you know losing dexterity there, and because your foot's going to have to stabilize against against the increased torque, if you like. That that's going to require to stabilize, uh, and if you combine that with the wrong pedal, and you combine that with the the wrong insole, and all the rest of it, you're you're, you're going to be kind of like fighting a losing battle. It almost won't matter like where your cleat is on the shoe. So I think yeah, there's there's definitely loads of things like this. I don't know, maybe more specific questions you can you can ask me the better because I think sometimes I can get yeah. lost with it. Well, no, exactly. We'll come on to sort of choosing a shoe, but obviously already we can see that very easily you can create troubles for yourself by making sort of poor purchase decisions and that comes on to you know last week we we ran a poll on the hub just to get a sense of how people think about or how they do purchase new bike shoes and the overriding winner of that poll was that people tended to buy on discount or price online which given the potential impact to ride quality potentially injury might not be the, the the best way to think about how to buy a shoe or how to choose a shoe you know in terms of question to you if you were someone listening to this what can they do to firstly ascertain whether the shoes that they've got at the moment are right for them and secondly what should people be thinking of when you know other than sort of well they should go and speak to a bike fitter about what shoes right for their fit of their bike but otherwise what else should people be thinking about i'll, I'll try to make my answer as simple as possible so just because a shoe is on discount online if you like it doesn't necessarily make it the the right or the or even the wrong the wrong shoe but if if the shoe the shoe isn't in the right size and that could be the length of the shoe or the width of the shoe for instance even just those two factors alone if they're not right it's going to be almost impossible for you to achieve 
that that nice solid feeling of connection to the to the cleat that, that we were talking about earlier on. So what are the things that you can do by looking at your foot to really gain to really gain an understanding of if that shoe online is going to work for you or not? Hopefully, if we if we start there, that might really help. So the, the best thing you can do is is work out does the shoe that you've got right now work for you or not? So if you take off your shoe and you put your heel on the insole that you've taken out and put it right at the back as far back as you can put it i'm going to do this now again or if you've had your cycling shoes your current cycling shoes for a while you might actually even see where your heel is in contact with the the insole itself whilst you're riding along so if if you do that what you're going to be looking for is where does your big toe stop how much extra insole is is sticking out if you like from in front of your big toe and does your foot spill out over the edge of your insole so if you, if you like your your midfoot does does that sort of spill out over the edge of the of the insole onto the floor underneath it and if and if it does then your shoe probably isn't right for you the other thing with the length as well is you, you probably want about five mil at least of space in front of your big toe just to kind of guarantee that your foot isn't getting restricted but any more than any like much more than five millimeters is a problem because then then you're going to essentially have too much additional volume for that for that foot so basically your foot's going to be rolling around inside the shoe and, and the, the upper isn't going to be able to tighten up enough against it so that's the kind of the very the basis of it so what what did you get by the way did you yeah my, my toe go over the edge out width ways uh, particularly the big toe comes off the edge and i can see that from the inner sole as well the big toe is very worn on the inner sole yeah so so essentially when you're riding along your big toe is getting crushed by the by the by the essentially the, the toe box of the shoe that'd be right and your 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 big toe is almost kind of being clawed at the front is that is that right is that is that what you sort of i have to say i've never really had any pain or any issues with my feet so but having said that i've never really, really looked at my inner soles and having looked at them i can clearly see that 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 is an issue, you know, that inner sole sort of wearing down on that big toe. And it's well well over the edge, as is the little toe. Yeah. And um, so it's on both sides of the foot. So, yeah, I obviously feel quite lucky I've had no issues thus far. But well, it's, something I'd probably need to correct. Yeah, if, if, you, if you're talking about issues with regards to you've not necessarily had any pain, well, that might well be the case because it might not be bad enough for you to experience pain. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're missing out on stability. So, for instance... If your if your if your shoe is too narrow, if you have a look at your foot, if you look right down at your foot, you've got your big toe joint and your and your little toe joint. So they, they form, if you like, the, the transverse arch across your foot. And if, if the shoe is too narrow, you've got it, it kind of creates what you'd call it lateral compression. And if you can even if you can just start with your hand, so place your one hand on top of the other one and just get your sort of like your thumb and your finger and push just just gently push your um i guess your first finger and your um pinky finger together what you'll notice is the the sort of arch across your hand it's the most similar it's the most similar example i can give you easily will will become sort of compressed too high and if you liken that onto a shoe what it means is that the first met and the fifth met will be getting pushed down overly and you're not going to be able to to essentially spread the load of pressure, if you like, across your um, across the whole ball of your foot, so it's sort of like between the, the the medial 
metatarsal and the lateral metatarsal. So you're, you're going to have hot spots on the on the inside and outside of your shoe. So that's that's a big one. That's the key one. But that could also probably lead to issues further up the chain as well, could it? In, in well, knees and hips. And- yeah. So I guess this is the thing. So it starts to kind of have a a kind of knock-on effect elsewhere. So if, say, let's go on this example now where you've got this um, sort of compressed foot from the from the first to the fifth met and, and your, yeah, your transverse arch is essentially being compressed. Your foot actually has three arches. It's got a, a medial and a lateral arch and a transverse arch. And if you like, the stability of a foot has been designed around all of those arches getting to kind of spread the load of your body weight across your entire foot. And if one, ar- if one arch is, is kind of put out, then it's going to essentially be affecting the effectiveness, if you like, of the, of the other two arches. So straight away, if that's compressed, your foot is going to be less stable. So that's putting more pressure on your calf. It's putting more pressure on your quads and more pressure on your glutes to stabilize your leg. Whereas you could have had that stability for free if your foot had just been allowed to hold its its natural wow. position. Does that make sense? And then the other thing as well you can do, if, if you're having to crunch your toes in front of your cycling shoes, for instance, if your shoe is too small and, and you physically can't let your foot be naturally sort of spaced out, or your shoe's too long and it's got too much volume in it and you're having to really claw your feet, then you're, again, you're losing stability because you're going to be shortening the arch too much. And this is where, you know, you could, if, if you could get some insoles and that would help that problem to an extent, but still not going to, to essentially re- like make up for a shoe that is too long or too short. So again, if that, if that, that medial arch is too, is, is too restricted again, that's, that's less stability. You're not going to be ankling as well, so your, your your ankle alignment is going to be off, and then that's that's more work for your quads, more work for your glutes to kind of correct for that, and that you're going to be losing losing efficiency for sure. Yeah, and, and ultimately it can cost you performance as well, right? Oh yeah, massively. Yeah. You're going to be losing performance. I mean, I think it's it's got to be careful because it's very difficult to to measure what like essentially the amount of watts you would you would gain or lose because it can be quite individual but certainly anything that's going to be reducing the stability of your ankle uh, is a problem because what you want to be careful to avoid is excessive range of movement in your in in your ankle because that's definitely going to be losing you power so for instance if you if you look at this is this is a clinical study, um, but if you look at like ankle range of motion over like a thirty second Wingate test, so that's a a thirty second maximum sprint, and without getting too detailed on the on the methods of that test, it's the the resistance is set to the, the you know the body weight of the rider. But if you have only five degrees of five, five degrees more range of motion in an ankle, you're definitely you're going to be putting out as much as seventy five less watts over the course of that test that's mean power over the course of 30 seconds so you, you definitely if you're losing stability your your ankle and, and the muscles in, in your leg aren't going to get the chance to to load up the pedal if you like because they're going to be losing power to to trying to stabilize an ankle position so, so quite conceivably someone who is pretty dedicated trains regularly in a structured fashion who's been training for a number of years may have bought a pair of shoes or changed shoe and not being able to hit the performance levels they did previously and probably has checked everything else <laughs> apart from considering their shoe may have had an impact. That could definitely happen, right? Oh, yeah, massively. I think a lot of the time in, in bike fits when someone comes in and they don't have the right shoe, it, it, it's quite a difficult one to broach because I think that you, know, you, you don't necessarily have 
you're like, oh, I don't have any issues with my feet. And I think a lot of people that come in and I'm trying to tell them they've got problems with their their shoe, <laughs> they don't necessarily think they've got problems with their feet. But for instance, say your shoe is too big, it's going to be too long, which means that it's going to be difficult for me to get that cleat far enough back. Now, you might have totally adapted your pedaling technique to, to take that in. But one of the things that's going to be happening is that cleat being too far forward, that's going to cause your leg to come up higher to get over the top of the pedal stroke. So you know, so now that increased, if you like, hip flexion, that might be causing you a problem on the saddle. And then we could trace that right back down to the to the, the four like the four aft cleat position. And then I could get them off off the bike, give them a smaller shoe to try on, put the cleat on it, and then you know. Definitely, within just changing shoe size, you could make some serious gains to comfort right across the bike, um, for sure. That's incredible. So that that's a test that everyone can do at home is, is have a look at their inner soles. Is, is there anything else that, that people can do now in terms of just checking their shoes? Yeah, have a look at your um, ankle shape compare and your forefoot shape. So definitely, if you, again, so working back to the to the, the foot width thing, just quick worth quickly mentioning, um, you you want your foot width to be the the same as the as the insole width um so for instance when you take an insole out the shoe on the shop floor and put it down on the floor and put your foot on top of it you want your foot to sort of remain within the the footprint if you like of of that of that insole another thing that is is often the case is a lot of people don't have their heel correctly stabilized inside the shoe so a lot of shoes they, they don't have a small enough heel cup so when you're coming back up the pedal stroke again from the bottom up the way your heel can effectively slip out the top of the of the heel cup and that's going to be that's essentially going to be excessively pointing your toe down and that's going to make your foot again like less stable you're going to lose again that that dexterity the dexterity of the foot if you like it's not going to be as stable you're going to have to fight against that excessive pointing to to then move your foot back down so again increased range of motion at the ankle because you're having to then compensate by essentially you know flexing your foot back down again your heel back down to get that that foot under control before you can start pushing down to go from the top of the pedal stroke once you've got over it so that's another one making sure that when you put your put my shoe on talk you through it when you put your your shoe on and you tighten it up to comfortable tightness once it's up you shouldn't have to ramp your shoe all the way up to not be able to take it off, if you like, from your heel. If you can, you know, when you come in from, from a night out and you're uh, you're a bit done and you can just sort of take your, your trainers off just by like kicking them off your feet without untying them. You know what I mean? Yeah, you shouldn't be able to do that with your cycling shoes. And if you can, then the chances are the heel's not anywhere near tight enough around the heel bone. So if, okay. if you're if you're really struggling there, some some shoe brands in particular that are good, like really good, but very expensive would be the the S the S Work Seven shoe. It's a really nice shoe. Okay. That's got a very tight heel cup. A lot of the Lake shoes they have they have this little bit of carbon at the back you can sort of heat up and really squeeze in some of the bond shoes they they allow you to kind of essentially put them in an oven and and then really kind of wrap that heel cup around it you don't as long as it's not going to be too tight because that can cause other problems but you want to really cut down on the the stability of your shoe the other thing is is have a good look at your foot so so for instance if you have a very very high arch then make sure that you've tried on 
plenty of shoes. And especially when you tighten it up and, and really put your knee over your toes, if you've got a very high arch, if the boa lace or even the normal lace of the shoe isn't in the right position, then the tongue's going to be cutting into your ankle. And that's going to that's gonna stop you from, uh, if you like, dorsiflexing that foot. So that's pulling the toes up towards the shin. So if you've got a really high arch, you should think about shoes that are either traditional lace-ups like Giro Empire. I've got mixed feelings about those, but then if you're really struggling, maybe like a double boa lace might really help you because it's going to be tightening up the shoe from two different points as opposed to one boa lace and one set of tension. You know, I, if you've got really high arches, it's nice to be able to really tighten up the, the lace around that forefoot independent of tightening up the lace around your, your midfoot because if that arch is quite high and you've got a very high volume midfoot that's sticking up loads in the shoe, the tightness that you want the upper to be at the top of your foot is going to be different to the tightness that you want the, the bow lace to be around your forefoot because you want that foot, again, to be stable. If You don't want to have to be loosening off the lace at your, at your forefoot just to gain that little bit extra if you like looseness around the like the front of your ankle in the shoe, then you're yeah. you know that's going to be making your forefoot work extra hard to stabilize when when that that upper could have been tightened from two places and you wouldn't have to lose anything. So that's another one as well. I think it's important to also mention people with with very very flat feet. You definitely need to think about getting some insoles because if you think the the, the first thing if if your if your foot is flat, the chances are it's going to be less stable because you know for whatever reason either you don't have the the muscular support around the ankle to help it become stable or you've got extra lax ligaments in your shoe first first of all the like a, a nice supportive insole that's that's supporting your navicular bone in, in your ankle is gonna is gonna help there help you gain stability the, the other thing worth mentioning is is if you have really flat feet that essentially splays your forefoot out. So that can actually increase the length of your foot and, and make you feel like, you know, one or two sizes bigger, if you like, than, than it would actually be suitable if you had a normal arch in your foot. So I guess what I'm getting at is I see a lot of people with very flat feet that have accidentally bought, you know, a size of shoe too big. And then as soon as I put an insole inside that shoe, it can actually change the length of someone's foot. Oh wow! Like significantly, and and uh, and then of course because their the foot length has changed, it's going to be difficult to get that cleat back far enough underneath the the ball of the foot for effective power transfer. And if you like that, the if you like the leverage on that on that foot with the cleat too far forward, it's you know again you're going to be losing. You're going to be excessively dropping your ankle. I know we're going to do questions at the end, but actually that leads nicely into one question that we had is from someone that has very flat feet and they have bought metatarsal buttons. I don't know what they are. Do you know what they are? So metatarsal buttons, they are, if you you were to look at an insole and if if you just go back just ever so slightly from the ball of your foot or even on the ball of your foot, it itself on the insole it's basically a couple of millimeters of foam to essentially fill up the void if you like that's created by the transverse arch that goes across your foot and a a lot of people find them comfortable because it kind of creates space if you've got a very flat transverse arch then you you would maybe need one of those because if the metatarsals in your foot are kind of suffering from too much sort of lateral compression which they will do if you're very if you've got a very flat transverse arch then you sometimes need a little bit extra support there to sort of allow that transverse arch to take shape but if your foot is if your shoe is too narrow 
and it's and your transverse arch is too high because of the lateral compression, then the chances are a metatarsal button is going to make you feel worse. So you should only really get a metatarsal button if you're a either very very sure that you need it by doing a lot of research on your feet and and the, sort of the specifics of what you need, um, or you've gone and seen like an orthotist to sort of have a good look and make a set of really nice custom insoles. So they can be more dangerous than to pop them in. Without. Yeah, if the chances are, if if you've well, you'll know very quickly. If, you know, for instance, metatarsal buttons are you're, they're available separately, so you can just like put them on the top of your of your insole, or you can buy some insoles that already have them in. But the chances are you'll know because if you don't need a metatarsal button on your insole, you'll have very sore feet. So take it out. <laughs> but but yeah, if you've got a very very flat foot, the chances are that your um, transverse arch is is quite flat as well. But sometimes. It, just by supporting the navicular bone so this is the this is actually put your thumb just if you go halfway down your arch with your thumb you might feel quite a prominent bone that's like sticking up sort of quite high on the arch of your foot but not your yeah, not yeah, your yeah. medial ankle bone but you can sort of feel a kind of a prominent bone i know exactly yeah yeah so that navicular one that's called the navicular and that's that's directly connected to the the talus and the calcaneus so if your if your navicular bone is really really low and it's kind of creating a very flat arch yeah the chances are chances are all of the arches on your feet are flatter than they should be but this is another really good one where if you if, if one foot feels particularly different to another what you could do is you get someone to help you measure the height of your navicular navicular bone off the floor on your left and right foot the chances are it'll be different and there, there might be one that's significantly lower than the other potentially on the same foot that doesn't feel that great when you're riding so that would be uh, a good thing to sort of like look at and you know basically one of the best things you can do if you do have particularly flat feet especially asymmetrical flat feet would be to get a set of insoles and ideally you you know everyone would have a custom insole inside their cycling shoe because um just really adds a massive amount of additional comfort in your riding position but even a set of relatively cheap so 40 pounds super feet carbon they're going to do an awful lot compared to nothing and you can go cheaper than that but the reason i like super feet in particular is the price point is a place where you know you can pick them up online for almost 20 pounds if you know or you can go along to your local bike shop and buy there which i which i would encourage you to do actually if you're unsure about size but super feet carbon 20 to 40 quid depending on where you buy them but very very thin so they're not going to be taking your foot further away from the pedal spindle very very stiff so they're not going to deform under load when you're pedaling at higher power output and very very comfortable other insoles like for instance like g8 insoles they they're quite good because sometimes if you have an accident and you smash all the ligaments in your ankle which actually like a lot of people that, that cycle these days come from rugby and football and other sports where the chances are they've got mangled ankles if, if you've had ligament damage in your ankle then th- the chances are you're going to be really struggling with ankle stability because the, the alignment of the bones in your ankle is going to be off because essentially the, the alignment of your ankle depends on the, the ligaments of holding these bones in place in combination with the, the strength of the muscles in your lower leg to kind of provide support on you know as they attach onto the bones in your feet I guess what I'm what I'm getting at there is yes if you're listening to this and maybe thinking oh well that that's great but surely I, I don't need to buy a set of insoles to gain ankle alignment well you know you can definitely improve your ankle stability by sort of strengthening up the your ankle with like sort of like for instance like ankle lifts or like strength conditioning in the ankle joint but if, if you've lost 
or you know, if you don't have any ankle ligaments due to injury, then the, the chances are you, you could do yourself a lot of favours by just going and getting a basic set of insoles. So you go like a long answer for a short question. Sorry. Good to know. I just checked the height of the the, the, um, the top arch bone. What's it called? The begins with N. You oh, the navicular the bone. bone. You should Google. Navicular, you should yeah. Google navicular bone. I've just and uh, and find out what it is and learn how to palpate it and measure it. You should measure the height of the floor of your of your navicular bones and compare left to right. The, the left's a lot lower than the right. And when you now, so is this when you're sitting down or standing up? Standing up. Right. So, so what I want you to do is is unweight your foot. So sit back down and take all of the weight off your feet and just put them on the floor. But, but you can weight them. You know, you can you can sort of sit there naturally as as you would usually like have your feet on the floor. So so now now go back to that navicular bone. Now they're the same same height. Yeah. Now from that position, they're the same height right now. Yeah. 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 So now stand up. And now measure them again from standing position, which is difficult, but I'll give you a second. The right one is higher. Yeah. Stand up. Yeah. And now that left foot is kind of maybe splaying out slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now, I don't know, what have you got lying around? Is there anything you could put underneath that, that navicular bone to support it? Underneath the navicular bone. Yeah. Maybe, how much has it dropped actually compared to when you stand, when you're sitting down and standing up, is there, could you quickly tell me if there's a difference in height that's significant? It's a couple of, three Three millimeters, four millimeters, half a centimeter, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could just basically, even if you had something about the the, the shape of a, a finger to put underneath it as you stand up. So obviously not your finger, but <laughs> if you put something underneath that and stand up, what you'll find is your foot retains a much more natural shape as you go from a seated to a standing position. And no, if, if yeah, you're I listening, it's slightly rotated in as I stood up, which lowered it. Is that right? Would that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So now liken that to. You're in a riding position, yeah, and you're pushing down on the pedals with your right foot, which is nice and stable and doesn't move around. Yeah, yeah, is that right? Yeah, so yeah, and so that's happy days. Is... But but when you when you yeah. push down on your left foot, so when you load that left foot, the navicular bone drops in, so that splays your foot out. The chances are that's going to be wanting to drive your knee in. So that's all energy that you're having yeah. to put in with your body to kind of fight to align that foot on top of trying to apply force. To a, to a surface that is moving away from you at the time. So you're not only having to try and push push power into the pedals, but you're also having to try and stabilize that foot simultaneously, which That's is okay. difficult. So even a basic insole yeah. would be great for you just to try and plug something in there and, and stop it moving around. You should yeah. experiment with that. So in terms of shoes, we've we've ascertained that, that people can take their inner sole out, have a look, see where their foot position is on the inner sole, check their heel, make sure that that's stable and secure. They're, they're sort of key key things people can do today to check their own shoes, aren't they? Yeah, and, and check um, the volume of your of your midfoot and your forefoot. So if you've got really low volume forefoot, so quite a, a small height on your forefoot compared to, you know, for instance, if you've got a very, very high prominent arch, and then quite a long, low, wide forefoot, the chances are that the lace-up system of your shoe, you'd have to account for that. So having a, if you've got boas, having two boas or having, you know, multiple straps so you can adjust the, the kind of the compression tension, that's another thing. So if you, if you do have that, if you've got, if you seem to have very high arches and a very narrow heel and a very low forefoot, this, you know, you're going to have to get a shoe which will have an adjustable heel so you can tighten it. And multiple boa, boa uh, laces, um, you know, enough width to kind of cover your forefoot. So 
again, these shoes do exist. You just have to know that you've got a problem so that you can sort of treat it if you like. And it will be worth treating by buying the right shoe. Cool. So before we come on to cleats, if people have identified either an issue or a concern, they should they can drop you a line or they can drop their go to their local bike shop or what's the best best way for them to make improvements or find the right shoe for them if they if they've got concerns if they've got concerns just trying on as, as many shoes as possible it's very difficult i mean it took me a long time i certainly think going through those steps is a great start i quite like lake lake cycling shoes they've got quite a good sizing guide on their website that goes through some of the things that i've mentioned there with regards to finding what shoe matches your foot shape and profile like i've got a nice width guide as well so that's maybe somewhere you can go online to to help have a very good reputation like they seem to have a strong reputation don't they a lot of people rave about them because they've got a lot of they've got there's a lot of good to lake shoes they're not perfect for everyone and i'll go through that in a minute but some of the good points would be they've got a very big fore aft They've got a, they've got a slot essentially in, in almost all of their shoes, which allows additional fore aft movement of the cleat. So Shimano also have that as well, worth mentioning. Lake have a big range of shoe widths, so you can buy up to an extra wide. Some some brands of shoes don't even come with any additional you know width other than standard. So the fact you can get three widths with Lake is another plus. They have a couple of different brands that will allow you to buy a shoe sorry a couple of different models sorry that will allow you to buy a shoe that matches your foot shape so i.e if you've got a low forefoot high high volume midfoot and a small heel then you know there's there's a there's a the perfect shoe for that combination actually it's the shoe it's the shoe that i have so and then i, I said i mentioned there was bad points as well so for instance lake the the thickness of their soles is is quite high which if you think back to earlier on this conversation is going to be taking your foot further away from the center of rotation of the pedal so that you know i i don't have any problems with excessive range of motion in my ankles thankfully so i don't have to worry necessarily too much for that but and for instance to compare that with bont they've got a very very low stack height same with giro as well very low stack height if you're struggling for stability in your foot maybe maybe avoiding lake with a very thick um, stack high on it might, might actually be something you want to consider the other thing as well as you think about the heel kick so this is the the difference in height between the the forefoot and the heel so a lot of cycling brand a lot of cycling shoes if you look at it from the side you'll notice that the that the heel comes up relative to the to the forefoot and that's to allow your your foot to to essentially load the forefoot through the bottom of the pedal stroke. But actually, sometimes that, that can cause your foot to be in an excessively pointed position, so too flex, too plantar flex. Now, if you think, if you're standing up, if you if you are standing up on your feet, the most stable position that you'll find is, you know, when your foot is essentially at a 90-degree angle. So if, if you were to then jack something underneath your heels, the most obvious example is, high-heeled shoes if you wear high-heeled shoes your foot is in a pointed position then you know that that's inherently less stable because your ankle is far less stable when it's in a flex position like that now i'm not likening cycling shoes or a lot of cycling shoes to high-heeled shoes but it puts the point in that if you're talking about a marginal gain there's enough of a difference in height there to definitely cause problems 
just to go on to that stack then on the other side, on, on the conversation we had the other day, we mentioned people that have a, a poor range of movement for a squat. Yeah. And I think people with very tight hips and, and weak glutes will often find that a little bit of elevation on the heels will help them get into a, into a deeper squat. Would that also work for the shoes as well so could it be a benefit for some people to have a little bit of a kick at the back of the shoe that's a good <laughs> question i mean i think it's but thing is that then you're bleeding in other other elements of the pedal stroke like another factors like crank length so for instance the benefits of a really flat shoe would be you could bring the pelvis forward so if you're sitting in your chair and you really, if you force your ankles down, what you might notice is almost has this effect of pulling your hips forward. I don't know if you can notice yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. on the on the bike, if you had a, a more level foot, you could put the saddle forward and you would bring your pelvis closer to the bottom of the pedal stroke. So that's reducing the distance between your pelvis and the bottom of the pedal stroke. Effectively, it means you can run a slightly lower saddle height. And because you're closer to it, that's less extension for your body. So that's so that's going to be slightly more control improved. Again, that word dexterity, your foot will feel more natural on the pedal. Heel kick. If Yeah, but you're right. You're right. What what If you've got very, very tight calves when you're in a gym, you can, you know, for a lot of people put sort of really high, you know, high ankled sort of like weightlifting shoes in, it, it takes the roll out slightly. That is yeah. still going to mean that you're going to be loading your quad more than if you didn't have to jack your heels up. You see, you'll, you'll notice that if you, you'll, you'll find greater activation in your, in your quads most likely when you, when you point your toe and that's because you're, you're, you know, all of a sudden your, your quad's responsible for making up for that lack of range of motion that the, the calf isn't doing anymore. Because your your knee flexion, your knees, you've got more. You're relatively for the same depth of squat there. Your knee is more flex, but this is you know, you're you're taking a problem out of the ankles and putting it. You're essentially putting it onto onto the knee. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah which but, may uh, work. Yeah, yeah. You know what you don't want to bike. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's so many different ways. It is such a complex issue that it is very difficult. And I'll be straight up, despite spending a lot of time re- researching, I constantly find that I've got slight gaps in my knowledge in places. You know, I'm not perfect. But I would think on that note that certainly if you've got very, very tight calves, you might <laughs> you might want to think about mobilizing them when, when, you, uh, when you ride on your bike. But having an additional heel kick inside your shoe i would be if you're struggling with stability you might want to avoid that that's that's for sure yeah actually it might make it worse right yeah cool the best thing the best thing people can do though is is my my email if you can put that on the bottom of this podcast i'm more than happy to take a call and and happily answer some questions and i think one of of the nice things about having a nice network of of other bike fitters in the world that i know is um, i certainly any any question that i don't know how to answer I've, i've almost got someone in my back pocket that will be able to answer it you know very well so if i can't answer it then i'll i'll certainly put you on to someone that i think can so that's it you know Feel free to take me up on that, but yeah, I was going to say, in terms of a a good overview for people to sort of check their shoes and whether they're they're right and and things they might want to consider, and ultimately leading on to that would be cleats. Are there any sort of quick things that people can do now today just to check their cleats are in the right position? A lot of the time, I see people they say, "Oh, I've um, I've I've put my cleat underneath the the ball of my foot." And to them, the ball of their foot is the is the joint of their big toe. But if you look down at your foot, actually, the ball of your foot goes from the, the first metatarsal to the fifth metatarsal. And actually, your fifth met is further back than your first met. So what you want to try and do 
is if you if you're trying to get the right the right sort of four aft cleat position roughly a nice a nice little thing it would be to locate your first met and fifth met and make sure that on the on the bike you can you know get the cleat in between those two as opposed to just underneath the first met and so that would be something a lot a lot of the time actually I, I find that people they come in with their cleats too far forward. So the chance, the chances are, if you if you had a really good look at where your cleat position was fore and aft, if if you if you put your shoe on, if you palpated your first met and your fifth met, and mark those locations on the shoe, take your shoe off and and look at where that that cleat actually is. I, I bet you there'd be a significant percentage of the of the fifth met that isn't covered at all by cleat which will mean that you're definitely going to be missing out on stability and power transfer. Um, so that's the first one. Well, that's something that's, yeah, 100% for me. I mean, I, I didn't realise that the, the ball of foot was referring to across all... all uh, I just thought it was that that first metatarsal ball, literally. It looks like a ball. That's why it's a bit misleading, right? Yeah, yeah. Another thing as well you could look into with um, position is if you, have, if you seem to have like excessive heel rub on your cranks or your or even your frame, I've seen people come in actually with the, what it looks like someone's taken an angle grinder to to the to their crank set but actually it's just their their heels been uh, bashing the the, cr- the crank set every time the, the the pedal goes round now it's very difficult with describing how to adjust the cleat because essentially what you're doing is you're is you're flipping a, a shoe upside down and then reversing so if your heel seems to be hitting your crank excessively and you you turn your shoe around the, the chances are that your your foot will be too far back on the pedal, so you know you might need to move the cleat back to move your foot further forward. The other thing as well is the is the outside of the cleat. So that's that's the bit of the cleat that's underneath your your small toe might relatively be too far forward, and that's going to be causing your heel to rotate in the way. So when you push down, you're kind of pushing down with your foot in almost like a plie position or sort of a you know an excessively sort of rotated position. So you're going to be striking your heel. So that that's maybe one thing. Another signal that your your cleats in the wrong position is if you seem to have excessive heel rub on your cranks or frame. Yeah, Doug, actually, that was one of the questions that we we had for today's conversation. Someone said that they are sometimes clipping their left ankle on the chainstay of their frame yeah so that would be assuming he doesn't have absolutely massive feet which is an issue actually for some people in the shape of chainstays the chances are is his uh, cleat isn't isn't far enough back and also that the the angle of the cleat is is set so that it's actually kind of restricting res- restricting the ankle to sort of rotate out and be sort of underneath. So if you think about, it's difficult with cleat angle because there are reasons why you might want to set it any such way. So so for instance, and, and it changes what what angle you you have your your cleat at can can change for a, a factor of reasons. So for instance, a good way of finding out if you need your your cleats to allow your your feet to turn out. Or not, as if you know. If, again, if you sort of stand up and you squat, if you sort of squat down, and your and your um, your forefoot tends to kind of rotate out, and your ankles come in, and this is independent of your of your foot rolling in or pronating in the way. I'm talking about the actual the rotation of your of your foot as a whole. If if you tend to find that that's much more comfortable, the chances are you want to have a slight amount of of that kind of reflected in the cleat position. So that might be. As, as I'm looking at my right shoe, the the big toe is is towards the inside. So the you know the right hand side of my right shoe. As I'm looking at the cleat, you might want to to kind of pull that down slightly 
and rotate the, the, the bit of the cleat that's underneath the little toe up slightly and that will just reflect that very slightly. But now if I if I was to increase the stance width of your pedal, so wider pedals, so that's speed play or that's the, the Shimano system with the four mil additional axle, if, if you did that same squat with wider foot, with, 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 the, with a wider stance, with the, ch- the chances are that your foot wouldn't pronate in as much and your foot wouldn't rotate out the way as much so that you know you can change what angle of your cleat will feel more comfortable if, if you can work out what's causing that foot to drive in, if that makes sense. So, so yeah, and that comes back to the bit what we just talked to, talked about on the shoe. So cleat position may be one thing, but if there's instability in that foot that's clicking the chain today, that could be because of something else as well, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. This is the thing. It's such a case by case basis. So again, I would welcome anyone to to phone to phone me up or write a question. Again, not that busy at the moment, <laughs> so the chances are they'll get their question answered. And obviously, you're doing these video audits as well. We haven't I haven't got you the videos yet, but we will do that before our next conversation. But you are doing these video audits. If anyone's interested in in connecting with Doug, and he's basically doing a ninety minute overview of your position remotely via video. You, I'm sure you can pick up a lot of these issues over a video conversation. Oh yeah, definitely. It's all just about ha- having a conversation, really. So working out what what's causing what's causing your issues. Definitely looking for me is is a is a huge one. Actually looking what's going on. Unless you can, unless someone is very good at describing exactly what they're feeling, uh, it's it's much easier, obviously, just to look at them. <laughs> yeah, and not only the describing thing. I mean, I think for me, just having a look at my inner souls, as you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, I had no, you know you don't know until you know i had no idea and until i looked at the inner souls and it's very very clear and i'm sure that's potentially causing issues that i've got elsewhere on the bike fit so these all all these things are related right oh yeah massively yeah Shall we go to, I think we've answered a lot of the questions throughout the conversation, but should we just whiz through some of the, the, the questions that people have sent in? Yeah, yeah. So where should we start? You mentioned we discussed a leg length discrepancy in our last conversation. Someone has asked us, if it's a structural issue rather than shimming, could you look at different crank lengths? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in theory, you could, you know, the best crank length is always the one that is, you know, is very proportional to to your to your leg length. So if you're if you've got a structurally shorter leg, it might be a better way because you know by doing that, you're reducing the need for a shim. So you're you're again, you're not going to be taking that foot away from the pedal spindle. So having having thought about it, yeah, if you, if you have cranks of different lengths kicking around, I don't see any reason why you might not, you know, why you might not want to give it a go. I, it's something that I've actually never experimented with changing crank length as opposed to changing as opposed to to changing putting shims in definitely i'd be interested i've got these little accelerometers that you can put on someone's shoes and pick up sort of dead spots and you can um, put them on someone's quads as well and sort of look at sort of knee and and leg angular range and, and foot angular range I'd be interested actually to experiment with that in the in the studio, but it's it's something I've not tried. But I I can't see any reason. The downside is you'd have to buy two sets of cranks, which cost two hundred pounds each. Roughly, and that's just for Altegra. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or more. Yeah, Dura oh. race or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or something specific. Next question is with regards to the cleats themselves. A lot of cleat brands have different coloured cleats and different options what are your sort of general views obviously shimano i think most people wear yellow what's the benefits of going blue 
what's or is it a lot of marketing what are your views on different different cleats for different pedal systems well any additional rotation is is definitely going to be an you know an invitation for less stability to creep in and, and again like reducing dexterity i i certainly find that for most people you know if we stick with shimano for instance the yellows are quite quite good if you've got a nice if, if your body doesn't have to compensate for any, you know, for instance, like things like we've talked about there with feet, like pronation and rotation, as you go through the pedaling range of motion, if you don't have any of those issues, then you don't, the chances are you don't need any additional uh, rotation in that cleat position to, to make up for a tendency of your body to rotate. And the whole idea of that float is to, is to give your foot somewhere to go rather than passing that you know, if you like that torsional, additional torsional forces sort of into your joints, like a lot, you know, your knee joint, for instance, doesn't really like to to rotate. It just likes to sort of flex and extend. So if you tend to have poor, poor movement in your ankles, poor movement in your feet, then the chances are you're going to you're going to want to take everything you can get with a cleat with your cleat choice. So if you if you have speed play as well, you can actually open up the float loads. But you don't necessarily. You're definitely going to be if you overcompensate and open up all the way, you're going to be losing power for sure because your foot's just going to be rotating. It's going to be difficult for you to grab, you know, and, and really kind of push down on that cleat with a nice solid connection. So you, you know, you all. It's a difficult balance of not trying to overcompensate, but also not trying to limit yourself too much because any any rotation that you're putting into the knee and hips, that's going to have negative effects on saddle comfort. Okay, I mean, everything's connected, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything <laughs> right. is connected. I think all the, the other questions we, we covered off, obviously the metatarsal buttons we discussed and the ankle clicking the chainstay, they're, they're two things that we have discussed. Is there anything else as we wrap things up that you wanted to bring up or mention? Or It's difficult. As I think we've covered quite a lot there. I mean, um, Not that I'm reluctant. I think a lot of it will bleed into people's um specifics uh, if they've got any specific questions i encourage them to get in touch because uh, i really will answer i really have a look but i think a lot of the time with i guess recapping the conversation is that working out where the problems are coming from by having a good look at your your limitations and having a common sense look you know for instance is is the shoe going to allow me to get a good a good click position how will i be able to tell right well I'll um, ideally I'll go and see it, but I can check how long it is online, and I can put my my foot on the insole and and, and make sure that it's going to fit inside that shoe without being compressed or be rolling around outside. Just just the, you know you'd be you'd surprise yourself. Don't don't buy shoes based on an emotional investment. <laughs> try and try and buy them off the back of common sense, and the yeah. same with your your cleat positions. Sorry, your, yeah. your pedal. It will pedal make you more comfortable, and it will affect your performance as well. That's the key thing, right? Yeah. It can generally impact your ability on the bike. Yeah, and I, this is one where a lot you really have to go. If, if you're unsure and you want to ask someone more questions locally, really try and find. Uh, an experienced bike fitter who's been there before and, and has a good range of a different different number of shoe brands. And unless unless you really can't feel any reason why, try and just avoid buying the cheapest set of shoes that you can find because they're cheap or or buying the most expensive set of shoes because you think they're going to be the best. It really boils down to, will this shoe allow my foot to be in a stable position inside it and allow me to get that cleat placed underneath the shoe in a position that matches the, if you like, the, the length and profile of my of my foot and and if not then that probably will have an effect on pretty much everything else you know in my bike position yeah 
<laughs> and the interesting point there is, Dougie, is that obviously we're all influenced by by the pros, and a lot of the pros are having to wear shoes that they're endorsed by. And I wonder if that a causes them issues, but b it's certainly certainly something that everyone should consider. Don't don't go by the third shoe of your favorite rider. You know, you really need to buy the best shoe that's correct for you and in, in your body type and and your your fit, basically. Yeah, I mean the that yeah you kind of hit the nail on the head. A lot a lot of riders they just get given a set of shoes at the start of the year. They really don't have any say in, in the matter. Uh, a lot of the you know if you, if you look really closely, a lot of the top pros they either won't have the same shoes that their teammates have on, or they'll have essentially some spray paint or some electrical tape over the logo of the shoe brand that they're actually riding to to hide it. It's, especially these days, uh, it's so specific. Some sometimes people's pardon upon you just they just put their foot down and, and they just won't consider riding any other shoe because you can you can lose so much comfort and so much power just with the wrong cleat and, and shoe position that it's um it's difficult for for their team managers just to come and say oh well you're riding this because we say so and that's that if you if you don't have the results on paper over the years then you won't have as much clout to affect that position but definitely don't take it on face value the shoe a pro is, is riding isn't necessarily a shoe that is any good for them it's it's more often than not the shoe they're being told to ride yeah fascinating that's always worth considering given we're all uh, so influenced by by marketing and uh, various things you read Dougie thank you so much for taking the time to join us again today we will definitely have everyone checking their shoes and, and cleat positions and yeah please get we'll in touch have, with your questions definitely and we'll have you back on on again to talk about maybe performance fit or TT fit in, in the next week or two yeah great yeah looking forward to that as well got some good ideas there thanks for your time mate good to speak to you as always and we'll speak very soon yeah no worries thank you thanks mate please subscribe to the podcast and more importantly don't forget to download the unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub we'll see you on there